Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. It's been a minute since we've been on here. How long has it been? Well, since last year. It's been a, it's been since last year. Has it been that long? It's been that long. Holy cow. That's a long time. In actuality, it's been about a month. I know. I'm sorry. But it's good to be back. I don't know if they've missed us, but <laughs> I have had I've had several people ask me at church, "Hey, when are you guys going to resume the podcast again?" That's nice to hear. I always whenever somebody says that, it makes me go, "People do listen." People actually, we have kind of a growing audience, which is kind of cool. And um, I, so as we get started here in the new year, I appreciate, we appreciate every single one of you that takes any time out of your day to listen to us. Yeah. I even heard from one of Neil's friends who said, Mrs. Williams, when are you going to be podcasting again? Like, you listen <laughs> to our podcast? He goes, yeah, I stay up with it. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's awesome. So that is awesome. So. Thank yeah. You. So Neil's friend, thank you for being a listener. The one is one friend. Is one friend that listens. So <laughs> anyway, all of you who do listen, we greatly appreciate it. We have had a busy month since the last time we podcast. And that's part of the reason for why we took a break. It's because you all know how holidays are. They're just busy. Busy. And I would say this last We didn't even travel. No, I would say this December and into January was one of the busiest ones I can remember. It's been a good, good break though. Like fun. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good. Our our son came home. Brock's been on winter break from school. I used to say Christmas break. They call it winter break. It's still Christmas break, isn't it? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Because everything's like based on Christmas. So it's like, okay, you get the two weeks before Christmas and two weeks after Christmas, but we're going to call it winter break. Would you say that- Winter hasn't even hit yet. Would you say that it was extremely busy, but it was extremely fulfilling as well because with family. So it it was really full of family. Like Kiris was saying, Neil came home from Annapolis and we got him home for three weeks. Over three weeks. It was awesome. It was awesome. And he even got a little bit longer break than some of the other midshipmen because the way his classes ended. Yeah, I had parents texting me going, now how did Neil get to come home so early? (laughs) We were posting pictures of him getting off the plane and and we've actually befriended a number of, of other midshipmen parents and uh, they were like, "What? How's he home already? Mine's still in, in the in at uh, Bancroft Hall." Finals. So the way that his classes ended before the weekend, and some of the other students' classes finals ended after the weekend, so they were stuck there all weekend. So he got to fly out. It was a Friday, right? He got to come home Friday. He had a final Friday. Yep. And then he came home Friday. And then there were kids that um, one of his friends' moms she texted me and she's like. Um, our daughter has to stay till Tuesday. <laughs> I know. Like, well, I think originally when I was trying to like make his flight and stuff, I thought he was going to have to stay till t- Tuesday. And so I was like, when I found out that he was done Friday, I was like, oh my word, we get like a whole extra weekend with you. So he got to be at church with us for three weekends in a row. And let yeah. me just tell all, all of you who are listening, Kirsten did her best to get <laughs> Neil to wear his uniform to church he just and went. he wouldn't do it. He has not been in civilian clothes 
I mean, a little bit at Thanksgiving for a day or two when we were in Denver, and he got he flew out to Denver to hang with us for a couple and we days. Brought him some civilian we brought him a couple home, but this was his first extended period since June, and he, he had access to his closet because yes. you know, Thanksgiving we were in Colorado. Not everything fit the same way. <laughs> <laughs> there were several pairs of jeans that were in another pile that were like I don't think those fit him anymore. But you know, some of the interesting things I never thought about is um, um, we were walking through the grocery store. And he was wearing a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And these sweatpants had pockets in it. And he had his hands in his pockets. And he goes, man, this feels so strange but nice to have my hands in your, my pockets. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, as a plebe, which is a, a freshman. I, I, I think it's all midshipmen, actually. We'll, 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 fact, a, yeah. we'll fact check this. But for him, he's not allowed to put his hands in his pockets. While he's walking. Oh, maybe ever. All I know is we were walking through the grocery store yeah. and had his hands in his pockets and he says, deal. dad, it feels so nice to put my hands in my pockets. And I'm like, I never thought about it, but, um, still stuff like that. Yeah. We're learning a lot still, but it was so good to have him home and, and he would not wear his uniform. And I think we have started a tradition. We did. I think so. Well, so right before the night before we dropped him off at the Academy, we're hanging out at the Airbnb, what they call it was the night before I day. And we had a whole evening together, and I, I remember asking Neil and oh, the boy, hey, what do you guys want to do the, your last night? And we were at the midship store on campus, and they were selling these. these uh, it's, it's not Legos, but it's called Kobe Bricks. And you and they did a whole... Uh, Shout out to Kobe Bricks. Yeah, a whole Top Gun <laughs> series. And so they had an F-14 that you could put together, and it looks legit. It looks like a real F-14. And, um, and um, in fact, I keep it in my office. So we built that. It took like four hours. And then when he came home for and they Christmas, to Top Gun music the entire yes. four so we hours to th- while putting it together. Yes, I think the Top Gun had like seven hundred and thirty pieces or something like that. So then, so Neil, he uh, for Christmas he bought me the F eighteen, which is in the movie. It's a whole it's a whole Top Gun Maverick series that they did. So there's the F fourteen which is the iconic Top Gun aircraft. And then in the new movie, he flew the F-18. And so he got that for me for Christmas and um, wrapped it up, put it in the tree. He did really well. I was really yeah. surprised for being on his own. He got And so while he was home, yeah. we built the net, the F-18. And so I'll bring it. I, I haven't brought it over to the office yet, but it, it looks cool too. We, I think Neil built it and Joe and Brock found the pieces. We, we sit around. Well, it's a team effort. We and Neil Neil was the builder, but we all divided the pieces up. We listened to Top Gun music and we just visited for like three fun. hours straight. It just, and it's just, it ate snacks. It's just a great time. So I, I told them, I said, I think this needs to become a Williams tradition. Every time Neil gets a little bit of leave and he comes home for an extended period of time, we should build one of these just for fun. It'd be tradition. And so the next one we're going to do is, uh, it's not from Top Gun, but Neil wants to build it. It's the, uh, it's like an airplane and a helicopter all in one. It's called the V-22 Osprey. Osprey. And he said it's huge. So here's my, here's what's going to happen. Over the course of four years that Neil's at the Academy, I plan on above my desk is a shelf and I plan on having <laughs> everyone that we build on every break in my office. But it's kind of cool. People ask me about it all the time. And uh, like, what is that? I'm like, oh, that's that's an F-14. And then obviously it's an F-18. That's uh, We'll do the P-51. We'll do the V-22. We'll do them all. It'll be fun. Well, it will be fun. I was going to say, for as far as Christmas traditions, most of our traditions are with our life group. So as soon as he landed, the next morning we had cookie day with our life group. That's true. And decorated cookies and stuff like that. So that was yeah. fun. And he looked forward to 
seeing all of his friends and it was just like it was neat to have and, it, and it's um we're also figuring out what it's like to have an adult child you know you know uh, neil has left the home and it's different i mean he'll always be our kid but you know he's a man and i respect that but at the same time i'll still tell him what to do <laughs> he's just got one foot out of the home but you know we're we're learning that transition into into that it is different i mean it, it is different and he's pretty independent and we um, ate way better since he was home. You did a lot more cooking. Well, he had. I think all Brock. Kinds. I think Brock has noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brock is like, "Hey, what gives?" I know. I know. Well, Neil will actually make a request. Brock's always like, "Do we have any?" Well, we call it together meat. It's like hamburger meat. We call it together meat. I don't know why we call it that, but we call it's that for years. It's kind of more of like a family inside joke. It kind of happened. It's a hamburger way. patty. It's, it's a hamburger always. patty, but it's lean. It's like lean beef. So Brock, literally, that's all he it's wants. It's one of his favorite things. All the time. Just to cook a thin Can little. Can I just have together meat? And, and he usually makes it himself. Yeah, thin little, thin little um, hamburger patty that he eats without bread and kind of eats it with a fork and has a little so sides. Like, a chopstick. So, so one of Brock's favorite foods, especially like when he's trying to eat healthier, you know, Brock, Brock's like his dad. We, we go through seasons of intense focus and intense non-focus. And so <laughs> <laughs> he is a chip off the old block, but during seasons of intense focus, he will have a chicken breast or a lean, Together a lean meat. patty. Yeah. Um, and then one of Brock's favorite things to do is take an apple and Kirsten's got this this thing that cuts the it's, core out. It's called a core. Yeah, I just, I just, you just kind of pop it, and then you eat it like a whole apple, but you just eat right through it. And so, anyway, it's I have his I, new favorite thing. Most time, if Brock's snacking on something, it's a it's a cored apple. It's really what it is. And but overall, Kirsten, I think, I think this this holiday season for us was extremely busy because we had ten candlelight services for Christmas. So it was a lot going on at church. Um, we had an amazing turnout to all of that. There was just a lot at the end of the year that we had to get done. But then after the Christmas services were over, we had a few days and then we had worship that was followed, you know, that, New that yeah, New Year's. And then we had celebration weekend. Yeah. Celebration weekend at the church was amazing. And, um, there was just a good spirit. I like Saturday night, I was at the Reardon campus and Sunday morning I was at the Highlands campus and it was interesting doing the celebration weekend with a lot of the new folks at Highlands for a lot of them were not here for a lot of that year. You know, they're newer folks, but they were just as energetic and passionate and excited about, you know, what the church was going through. And then, and then as we got into the new year, um, last weekend, um, was able to kind of talk about the future a little bit and it was just it's been a good break so we're glad to be back on the air and and um and we're refreshed back in school neil flew home already brock yeah ready for winter and it's gonna hit that's right I am looking forward to the year ahead of us. I think this is going to be one of the greatest years, if not the greatest year in the life of the church. And uh, what a lot of you may not know, and I've been kind of hinting at this and saying this for the last few weeks, but New Life is turning 50 years of age this year. 50. Can you believe it? You know, I think when you when you come to that one of our... This church was born before you were. It was. You know... When you come to our church services at either campus, I don't think we feel like a 50-year-old church. 
And I don't know what a 50 year old church feels like, but I think that, that there's been a refreshing and things that are happening in our church. You don't walk in and go, Oh man, this church has been here for 50 years, half a century. I don't think, I don't think our church puts off that vibe. And I think it's because we're a growing church. There's, you know, a lot of things happening, but you know, as I look out, one of the things I did this last weekend with the church is, is talk a lot about what does 2024 look like? And, and I do want to talk about that for a minute today. Yeah. Um, but as I'm looking at Kirsten, I just have to tell you before I get into that, as she looks at it 2024, can I just rat you out on one of your personal goals? What's that? Kirsten wants to become a sourdough bread making expert. I don't know if I want to become <laughs> a sourdough bread making expert. I like making bread. And, you know, the big thing when COVID hit was everybody was like, well, I'm sitting at home. Let's let's do a sourdough starter and make sourdough bread. And I never got into it. <laughs> How do you even get into it? So here's the thing that just blows me away. So, and I'm gonna, I want you to talk about it because I can't talk about it. But Kirsten has done a sourdough bread starter, which I didn't even know what that was. And not I only had a sourdough starter fail. Well, so she tells me, <laughs> she tells me this, and this is all brand new information to me. I don't know anything about this till like just recently. But she said there are restaurants and she knows people that are making sourdough bread from a starter that is over a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. Sourdough bread is what you go get at the grocery store <laughs> when you want something. And she's I, like, no, no, no. So she starts to walk me through this whole thing. Not <laughs> only that, on no, not him. only that, she says, I'm a part of these Facebook groups and these Facebook groups about just about sourdough bread has it's called thousands sour. and thousands of people. 440,000 people, men and women, I will let you know that there it's called sourdough geeks. I mean, call us a geek, but you have to learn. It's an art and it's a science to know how to do it. And I, my success, my success rate is we're at an all time low right now. We're at zero. I have not had any successful starter. Even. Well, you can, I don't think you got your feelings hurt, but you were like, I'm not sure this sourdough starter is you gave it six days or seven days. And so you posted pictures of no, it no, no, online. No, 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 no. Okay. So I started the sourdough and you, all it is, is flour and water. I mean, literally that's what it is. And it, and it grows and it's supposed to create this bacteria and all this science stuff. Well, each day you're supposed to discard and you're supposed to add to it and um they call it feed it and so it was it's like having a pet she's walking me through what like you got to do pet. i'm like i'm like can you go on vacation i mean yeah, and yeah yeah i mean you she's like i gotta feed it every day i said we might as well get a dog no no oh my word i don't have to let it out and go to the bathroom well i don't know how involved is this process <laughs> so you i had it on the counter and it was looking good and then I put it from a bowl into a jar the other night um, and I'd sterilized the jar and everything. And then the, that night I looked at it and I was getting ready to discard and feed. And I was like, it looks weird. So I took a picture of it and put it on the Sourdough Geeks page. And they were like, that does not look healthy. <laughs> and I mean, they kind of ripped me apart like I did something wrong. But I'm like, that's why I was asking you because I didn't think it looked right either. 
And so there are times that it was either not the right temperature on the counter. Um, it could have been too close to the lamp that I had on the counter, what was, which was giving it too much heat, all kinds of different things. And so I just got rid of it just in case it was mold because I couldn't tell. It wasn't different colors. It was just frothy looking. And so anyway, I'm going to have to start over. But you just have the sourdough starter for seven to 11 days and then you can start cooking with it and then you can make english muffins i had no idea i mean um, sourdough bread you can make crepes you can do tortillas you can do all kinds of stuff i mean literally we started 2024 and kirsten's like i'm gonna i'm gonna make sourdough bread and i and she described what she was gonna do and i'm like do you pass this on to your children? Yeah. I mean, like, and she said, can, yes, yeah. she said, yes, it is. there are, there are people out there that have their great, great, great grandmother's sourdough starter. And it's been passed down through generations. And I'm like, there's, I've never heard of such a to, thing. Like old restaurants in New York that have hundreds of year old sourdough starters. So they just make sourdough every day. They, they're continuing to feed their sourdough starter and they, you know, I don't know if they discard cause they use it well, every day and you don't need that much starter unless you're like, you have a bakery, like even the starter that I have, like, I can discard most of it. I won't need most of that because I'm not going to be making loaves it and feels loaves of like it, The way you talk about it, it feels like we have a monster <laughs> that sits on our countertop and it's like, feed me have you every seen it? day. It kind of looks like a monster. And I'm like, what are we doing? I mean, like, like, is there like, is this thing going to grow teeth and arms? What is this? And I, well, it's, anyway, I, it's like growing, you know, you go to the grocery store and you buy yeast to make bread. Well, this is like, also like that that's you're growing a yeast basically you're i know like it just it just feels like work it feels like having a pet it's like oh i did i for, oh it's like hey did you feed the dog today oh no i forgot you just put food in the bowl hey did you feed the sourdough starter oh i forgot i mean i've been successful with a lot of things in the kitchen but i have not been successful <laughs> in one thing and that was cinnamon rolls i can't make cinnamon rolls I haven't been able to successfully. Um, I can make. I can make cinnamon rolls. You just pop them out of a can <laughs> and you put them in a. What's so hard about that? I have. You know, there's a, a show called like semi homemade. So I'll make a semi homemade cinnamon roll. But from scratch to make the dough and then make cinnamon rolls, I have not been successful with that. And so. I don't know if it's a goal that I have because I'm not really upset with myself that I haven't been able to make cinnamon rolls. But out of all the things that I can accomplish in the kitchen, I am kind of surprised that I haven't been able to do that successfully. But I also haven't made it like a deter I'm not determined to wake up and make cinnamon rolls. A, I would be the only person that would eat it. Neil is gone. Neil likes cinnamon rolls. He is not around. So maybe when he's back, I'll Brock's try it. not a cinnamon Brock fan. Doesn't like cinnamon at all. Anything with cinnamon in it, he's out. And then Joe, he says he's not picky, but folks, he's really picky. No, I like cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Until he finds out I made it with sourdough starter and no. he's out. <laughs> is this what we've been feeding for years? Is this, is this the your, monster? Was this your counter? grandma's sourdough starter? <laughs> Anyway, uh, so so that's something as we look over new into 2024, Kirsten is trying to. I can say this. It is not a goal. I have my goals on my phone, and that is not a goal. I, I just decided I'll start out, and I'll do a sourdough starter, but my goals this year are not sourdough. Well, I got to share some of the uh, 
oh, more vision than anything with the church on Sunday. So, you know, and I, and I'll be, I'm te- all teasing aside. Kirsten does not sit around and think about sourdough bread all day long. But I do spend some time on that sourdough geeks Facebook page. Yes. And that, and that, that was more of a shocker to me than anything that there's 440,000 other individuals that actually look at this page and That's post just pictures. one and of the many, probably thousands I, of sourdough. There's like a whole pages. sourdough subculture in our land. And I had no idea, <laughs> had no idea. I guess it's, I guess there's pretty much a Facebook group for everything under the sun. I'm sure there is. Oh, but, I know, I know a lot good of, because had I not been able to show them that picture and video last night, I might've fed you like moldy bad, sourdough. Yeah. Which I, I mean, a lot of them say, oh, you can't really die from that, but <laughs> can't really die. From you, it. You, might. You, you can't, <laughs> you can't, you'll see analyze this. Like, you can't really I, die. Am poisoning my family like that's really what i need to get judge to it was an accident i did not think frothy sourdough starter bread would be that big a deal oh, no. i have this a thing. theory of okay. why you failed at this okay because temperature is so important and, in science and, you, and know, you have a refrigerator set, setting to your whole house <laughs> <laughs> and this poor bread is like oh. it's cold it's cold I yeah that's, you're, you're probably right because we do i mean we've talked about this i think on the podcast before <laughs> We do keep our house pretty cold. And I, I kind of thought of you early this morning when our <laughs> heater kicked on. And I was like, man, who bumped the heater up? And it's we have a Wi-Fi thermostat. So I was able to just look on my phone. And it was 63. And I was warm. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought it was set to like 65 or something. And I was warm. So yeah, we do keep our house pretty cold. Can you imagine if Abby ever got in a bind? Like something was wrong with her house. And she needed a place to stay for the night. She would not be <laughs> And it'd be like, out. hey. Abby, you can just stay at our house. She'd be like, I'll just sleep in my car. It's warmer. (laughs) I'll just sleep outside in the tent. It's a little warmer out there. It is true, though. I did read that you need to keep Mm -hmm. your your area that you you have your starter at around 75 yep. and I'm like and then we're yeah, never going to be successful no, I never <laughs> I won't and that's probably why I can't it is harder to when I do make bread at home um, it is harder to find a place that's warm enough for the yeast to um, rise and yeah. help the bread to rise because I don't have a lot of warm places in the kitchen and so I that's one of the reasons why I had it by the lamp um, on my counter because it is a little bit warmer, but <laughs> possibly not enough. Well, um, practice yeah. makes perfect. So I bet you next. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I have a friend, Sarah, who is also doing a sourdough starter. Um, she's not known for her cooking. She doesn't love to cook. And so if she's successful and I'm not, I'm going to all kinds of kudos to her. <laughs> all right. So goals. And that's a, that's a one of a number of goals for you. But as I was saying a minute ago, I really was thankful that I had a chance to, to speak to the church this weekend. We had a huge attendance. You know, and and uh, what a great way to get People the year. People came out for church this weekend. It was like the first weekend, and they're they're maybe they set goals well, to I, be here. I don't know. I think I think I think um, the first of the year is always you know the first sure. weekend. School's getting back in session. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, yeah, let's get back in the church. And but we had a, a and you know we had a ton of people here for the Christmas service. So I would like to think some of those folks came back. Yeah. But you know our 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 
both of our campuses right now are generating a lot of interest and we're, we're seeing new folks all the time, but I was really glad to be able to stand before the church and just talk about the year. You know, uh, you know, the first thing I said was it is our 50th year and you know, in the old Testament, that 50th year was a big deal. And I'm not saying that what we're celebrating is the same thing as what the old Testament was talking about. But that 50th year in the, in the old Testament was a year of Jubilee. And, you know, I did a little bit, it'd been a while since I've thought about the year of Jubilee. So I went back and kind of read some of those parts of the Bible and, and try to refresh my memory. And, you know, that 50th year was significant. And, and, uh, I, I was sharing this with the staff yesterday in our, in our first of the year staff meeting, but I, um, but you know, it's, a uh, in the Old Testament, things operated on a cycle of sevens. So you would have every seventh year was a Sabbath rest, as I, if I'm recalling it correctly. And so you couldn't plant any crops that seventh year and you had to, you know, forgive some things. And, and so you had to kind of prepare, you had to kind of store up for that, for that seventh year. Oh, yeah. You give the land a rest, you get every, this is the way God designed it. So after a series of seven rests, so 49 years, seven sevens, um, you take that. 49th year, which is the Sabbath, which is the the seventh, you rest. And then the next year was the 50th year and the land also had to rest. And so you had two years in a row where there was supposed to be rest and, um, you know, that not to get off in the whole Sabbath or resting conversation, but well, I was going to say, I think we should adopt the whole year. Of <laughs> well, rest. well, that's what, well, that was the thing I was, I was kind of thinking about. I'm so like, like, we do take a rest, if, but never a year. If the 50th year was a year of rest where, and you, you forgive debts, you give land back, you know, what's really clear in the scriptures is God talks about how this is my land. And, and I don't want to say it just like this, but. But in a sense, you're renting it from me, but this is mine. Mm -hmm. And you have to return property to its rightful owner. There was a lot of things that had to happen for during that 50th year, but it was a year of jubilee. So it was a celebration. The land got rest, you know, it was, a, and, and I got to thinking about that and, and, um, Boy, wouldn't that be nice if we had 50 years of rest because of all the building that we've been doing? A year of and rest or 50 years of rest? No, a year of rest. Oh, you said because 50. I was like, <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's... Well, we've been, there's no something. doubt, we've been we've been building, developing, For construction, sure. all that stuff. And to kind of think of, oh, what would it be like just to have a year of rest? Mm -hmm. Although that's what, 2024 is not going to be a year of rest at all. Mm -hmm. But I just got to thinking, our year of Jubilee is still going to be a celebration. It's a special year. But it's not going to be a year of rest. I keep like, thinking of that song. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. You know that song? That's an it's, oldie. I know. That's going I, way back in the archives. It talks about the year of Jubilee. It does. There is yeah. a phrase in that. There, and there is a line. Every time I th hear year of Jubilee, I'm like, behold, he comes. Yeah, that song. We'll have yeah. to look that up. I'm trying to remember. I do remember it says something about the Jubilee. Right. But, but anyway, there, there are definitely New Testament connections to the year of Jubilee. But, mm -hmm. but I think about our year of Jubilee, and I told the church this weekend, I believe that our 50th year is going to be, here at New Life, the most significant year in our church's history. And that's saying a lot, because there's been some years in the past that have been pretty... I, I look back at 23... And uh, 2023, and I can honestly tell you that I do believe that that is probably the, just personally in every other way, the best year of the nine that I've had here. Mm. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, but now every year has been good. Don't get me wrong. I haven't had a bad year here at all, but 
2023, as I look back on the history of our church, I'll say, no, that was an incredible year. I mean, for a lot of odds, obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. We launched a second campus. Mm-hmm. We saw an explosion of growth here in 2023, added a bunch of team members. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and just a lot of things clicked and went well. And it seemed like there was definitely a transition. But I do think that 2024 is going to be more significant that because significant because this is the year that I think all of that stuff we built to really, really begins to make the impact mm-hmm. that we set out for mm-hmm. it to become. So, so one of the things I share with the staff is uh, yesterday was we've gone from from um, building mode and construction mode to now with and planning mode, planning, now to like leading mode. Like, yeah. now where's all this stuff going? Yeah. So, um, so a lot of things we're praying for is more baptisms, more changed lives, and and really what I share with the church is is I, I, with all of my heart, I've always believed this, but with more intensity than ever, I believe that God is calling New Life to be a disciple-making church. Mm-hmm. And there's just been, you know, and, I, and I've been very vocal and open with the church as we've gone through this. You know, this has been a, a multi-year process, you know, with the leaders here of what is it that, you know, where are we going as a church? What What's going to be our priorities? And, and, um, and, you know, when it comes down to it, we want our church to be able to answer two questions. And I, and I, and I pose these to the church that, that everybody needs to answer these two questions. Um, if we're going to have success, the first one is what's the church's mission? You know, why do we exist? What? So I spent probably 15 minutes on Sunday, just walking them through our mission comes from the words of Jesus. You know, when, when he said, go into all the world and make disciples. Mm-hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'll be with you always to the end of the age. It's Matthew 28, you know, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. So our mission really as a church is twofold. It's a twofold mission. One, you know, baptize people. If, you know, if we're going to make disciples, mm-hmm. you got to teach them about the Lord to where they come to faith in Jesus. This is where they, they choose Jesus over everything else. They choose to believe. And then we baptize them, unite them. So it, it, helping people come to the point where they believe in Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, repent of their sins. So basically I've changed my mind about the, about the direction of my life, mm-hmm. make Jesus their Lord, unite yeah. with him and baptize them and live for him. That's the first part of the mission. Yeah. And the second part of the mission, Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So so that's what he tasked his disciples. Their disciples went out and started the church and and they taught all the words of Jesus. That was mm-hmm. what they did. This is what he taught. And that's a lifelong process. That's something that is going to be happening every day of our lives. We're going to grow more and more like Jesus through the word of God. And, and as we mature and develop in our walk with Jesus, um, we reflect more and more of his image. Mm-hmm. And so that mission right there to go out and save and to teach, to mature this twofold mission mm-hmm does not come to an end until the return of Christ. That's mm-hmm. the mission of the church. So what's really important is that everybody in our congregation understands, you know, that's the first question. What's our mission right there? And then the second question that everybody needs to be able to ask or to answer rather is, how do I fit into this great mission? Mm-hmm. What's my part of it? What am I supposed to do? Maybe that's a, that's a, that's a better way of saying, what am I supposed to do with all that? You know, um, and so that's what we're trying to lay out for the whole church. And we've tried to boil that down, you know, what's my role in this thing, into um, what we just call the all-church discipleship path. This is what we want everybody to do or be on, this all-church discipleship path. And we've broken that down to three words. And uh, what are the three words, Kirsten? 
If I had to take a guess, it's gather, <laughs> grow, and go. That's right. That's right. We, we, we you know, this is something I've been teaching about on and off for the last year as well. And I was really happy because when I, when I got to that point in the sermon, I said, I, I looked at the church family at each of the services and I said, you know, we, we took this all church disciple path and we boiled it down to three words. And I saw a bunch of smiles out there in the room. And I said, let's, they were like, oh, good, I get the answer. I said, let's say it together. And, uh, and every service, they're like gather grow go and and uh and so by gather you know it, it's just like we want you to come Gathering to church for worship gather for worship where we get to sing praises to god where we'll take some time to specifically remember christ's sacrifice on the cross through communion and we will open up the word to hear biblical preaching. We're going to rub shoulders with other Christians, be a part of the church family, the ecclesia, mm-hmm. and just enjoy being together. We are the church family. And I've, and, I've, and I've kind of taught this over the last year or two and challenged people, protect this in your calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, guard this, you know, make it a priority. And, and if you are somebody that's committed to, I'm being church every weekend, then welcome to the discipleship path. That's the first part of it. I am on the path. And then, but we don't want people just to come to church and do more, do no more. What's the next part, Kirsten? We want them to grow. (laughs) Kirsten's looking at me like, I hear this every day of my life. And so we would like you to be in a life group. That's right. So that's the next thing we want people to do. We, We have this vision of every single person who calls new life home, that they would also not just come to church and be a part of the ecclesia that way and just, but also be in a life group. And a life group is, you know, sometimes they have eight people, 10 people, 12, 14, usually not more than 14, but somewhere between eight and 14 people that meet in somebody's home. And and they these groups come in in all different, they're all different things. Some are shapes and sizes. All different shapes and sizes. But, you know, but really uh, it's where you're studying God's word with a smaller group of people. You're praying with these people. This is the, this is where you really care. build relationships with folks. And Prayer. there's, there yeah, yeah, level of care and, and understand. I just... I mean, th- to me, in many Do ways, life together. yeah, I think this is like one of the purest reflections of what the early church was like. Smaller it's, groups of people getting together. It's why I said earlier um, in our opening segment that we have a lot of traditions with our life group. At Christmas oh, yeah. Because we do life together and we had cookie day and we go ice skating together and we just do life together. Our kids enjoy being together and we encourage each other and pray for each other yeah. and we're there for each other. So, yeah, I, and I asked the church on Sunday, all the services, I said, how many, how many of you could say that you're, that you're um, part of the church, you know, you're, you know, being a part of New Life church, Christian Church would be totally different for you without a life group. And like every, like, you know, everybody was, I could just see it in the room, a lot of nods, because mm-hmm. they know that if they took the, if the life group didn't exist, mm-hmm. their experience with church would be totally different. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's, it's like deeper levels of engagement with the church. So, so when we ask people, what, how do I fit into this mission? We want you to gather weekly for all the reasons I just mentioned. And we want you to, to fellowship and grow within a life group context. So we got our work cut out for us. If the challenge is that every person getting a life group, 
Well, I can tell you right now, we don't have enough life groups for every single person. So we got to get some more life groups right now. We've got, I think, close to 500 folks in life groups, right? Adults in life groups, which on any, any, any scale is a successful life groups ministry. Oh, it's over 630 now. Oh, it's over 600. We need to bring in a statistic, Abby. Okay. So 633. Wow, that's awesome. You know, most still have quite a few eight or 900 people probably not in life groups. Yeah. And, you know, we're only only counting just adults, just just adults. Okay. Okay. So if we took kids out of it, then, yeah, we but still, that's an amazing number. You know, any any small groups book or any any teacher, any the general thinking is that if you can get half of your church half of your adults in a life group, then that is beyond amazing success. Most, and it's, it's, but if you're listening and not a life group, (laughs) you should be, well, don't be part of the statistic. That's not, (laughs) well, you know, there's, you know, sometimes, you know, um, well, let me back up before I say that, let me just say this, that I don't think it's pie in the sky thinking that a hundred percent of your people can be in a life group. Well, I I really don't. I think, I think you also have to address there's reasons why people aren't. Oh, sure. And he- being hesitant uh, about being part of a group, not being comfortable around people. I mean, if you're not a people person and you're being asked to be with other people every week um, and schedules, crazy schedules and, and that n- not being a, a big priority. Um, and... Th- uh, but I think they have to understand too. There's some some great things that happen if you will open yourself up to being in a group. As far as just the care and the community um, that comes from that, and everybody goes through different things in their life. Just the friendships, friendships, the huge friendships. But but I'm saying speaking probably to the people who are more hesitant to it. That care that prayer and that community are vital in your life. And so if you're not part of a life group, um, we call them life groups at our church. A lot of other churches call them small, small groups, groups or, or C groups or cell All groups kinds or of home We've been groups. To a church, they called them fish groups, fellowship in someone's home. Makes sense. I know. But if you're not part of one of those, you really ought to seek one out because I know that yeah. they have college age ones. They have our high school students are in a group. Mm-hmm. Our kids are in a group. And then we ask our adults to be in a group. Well, you know, the old adage is, and it's been around a long time, but as a church gets larger, which ours is getting larger every year, um, it's got to get smaller at the same time. You know, um, I, I, I just can't imagine new life without these life groups. Mm-hmm. So, and I understand um, there are a lot of reasons why somebody be hesitant or not want to do that. But my, my challenge as the pastor here of the church is, is that's between them and the Lord. My challenge is to make sure that everybody has the opportunity yeah. to be in one. And, and so, and, and we'll get try there. It, you know, and I we'll, think if you're hesitant, you just have to try it and, and go, well, yeah. give it a try. And here's a little testimony. Not every first try is the right group because you walk into a group and you're going to go, these are not my people. <laughs> yep. And then you have to go, Okay. These aren't my people. I'm going to bow out gracefully, kindly, and I'm going to go find my people because don't feel like just because you're in a group, you're stuck with these people and you have nothing in common with them and you don't get along with them. Not every first try is a click. 
And so it doesn't not necessarily just work well, out. Well, I need to clarify what you said. Not every not every first try is a click. What you mean is yeah. not every try clicks. <laughs> like, thank you. We're not creating clicks around here. <laughs> and, and you're right. That's, that's what I did mean is that it doesn't always click like that where, okay, this is a connection. Yeah. And so don't give up on that. Right. But what, what, I, what I love about life groups too is that we do sermon-based life groups. So whatever sermons preached on Sunday, we create a study guide that guides our life groups every week. So all of these life groups, so all 600 plus of these adults are all studying the same thing. It's an extension of our weekend services. So this helps us as a congregation stay aligned. This helps us stay focused. We're all, there's prayer requests in all of these. There's, there's also some information. You're going to know what we're talking about when you go to group. You're not going to. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people work on this during the week, then they go to life groups. And so it just kind of helps us all. It, it keeps the, the conversation focused on the one thing that week for our church. And, and you just feel more a part of it. And, and, and so there's that component as well. So we say grow. That's our grow environment because you're growing in God's word. Mm-hmm. And, and I truly believe that within the, the ecclesia context, the church context, you grow through the word of God, you go, grow also through connection with other believers, and you go through love and serving others. And I think that's something that the life groups can provide all three of those things in one environment. And, and here's what I love hearing as a pastor. I love hearing somebody say, man, this was a, they might say something like hypothetically, mm-hmm. boy, you know what? The last year was, has been really rough. And I don't know if I'd have made it without my life group. Yeah. And then I'll say, I didn't know you were going through such a hard time. And they might say, yeah, I was in the hospital three times. I'm like, I didn't even know that. So this, this is kind of the reality of our church family. It's kind of to the size where I'm not, you know, when I was a smaller church pastor, I knew everything that was going on. I knew everybody's names. I knew everybody's kids. You know, I, I mean, I knew I knew what they were going through. I knew where they worked. We could have these conversations all the time about, and I, I was right there with them. Um, that has been challenging these last few years because it's grown beyond my ability to have that level of, so sometimes people go through things um, and I'm not aware of it. And then later, they tell me about it and I'll say, I didn't even know that that was happening. And, and I, I can't even tell you how much it blesses me when somebody says, that's okay, because my life group was there for me. And I, I'm telling you right there, knowing that you got people in your life, other believers who you can count on, that's why I say our life groups is the first line of care in our church. It doesn't mean that nobody else doesn't care. But it's the first line of care. These and, people care for and you. And can I say that as we're talking about that right now, our life group is texting on a prayer request saying, hey, I'm in this situation and I need prayer. I mean, that's kind of what I pick up my phone and I see that there's someone saying, hey, I need you guys to pray about this right now. And that's what we're there for. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And sometimes our life groups all texting each other during my sermons. <laughs> yes, and, it does happen. And so I get notifications on my watch. We're talking and about so, what he said. And so sometimes so sometimes my phone on my or my 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 watch on my wrist, I have an Apple Watch, it will go zzz, 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 <laughs> And I'm like, what? and the temptation is to look at it, but I don't want to look at my watch during my sermon because people think I'm checking my time. And uh and anyway, so sometimes and and it's not always spiritual because not all of our life groups all come to the same service. And so so sometimes they'll be talking about our next life group gathering and they'll ask each other questions and I'm writing my sermon and, and I'm like, oh, can you guys knock it off? But anyway, but that's that's the great thing We're about- We're usually making fun of something you made a mistake in or said something. 
Don't so, worry. You don't need to look at your watch. I need to stop wearing my watch during church. So, so we want everybody to gather with the church and love the church and love being together, worship the Lord and just make it a priority. And I want to create worship services and weekend experiences where that is so desired and they want to bring their friends to it. And it's just, it's like the highlight of the week. And it's not about putting on a show. We don't do that around here, but it's about it just being excellent and impactful and applicable to your life. And um, that they want to be here and they, and they hate missing. That's kind of the idea. And then, but we want everybody to also grow. grow in these life group environments. And then finally, not just grow, but we want them to also, Kirsten, what's the word? Go. Go. That's right. So gather, grow, <laughs> I give myself a little go. <laughs> and when we say go around here, we're talking about putting your faith into action. Yeah. You know, I feel like if you are worshiping with your church go family, serve. go and serve. If you, if you are worshiping with your church family and you are growing personally and with your life group, that, that the way that God designed it is that that's got to come out of you somehow. I mean, you're not, we're, as Christians, you're not meant to just soak it in and absorb you're all supposed to ring out, you know, and, and so that comes out in a lot of different ways. So, um, you know, I think Jesus said it best when he said the son of man did not come to this world um, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So as we take on that mentality of Jesus, that we are here to serve and love others and mm-hmm. serve the Lord and, and that our lives are supposed to f- produce fruit and, um, and that I'm, I'm supposed to be an outwardly focused person. And that means that my eyes are up all the time of how I can be a great ambassador for the Lord. That could come out like by serving somebody else, helping somebody else out, inviting somebody to church, serving on one of our volunteer teams, whatever it is. I say it like this, the church itself here at New Life, we only have so many volunteer opportunities. We have a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways you can serve at the church, but there's by in no means do we have a volunteer opportunity for every single person that comes to our church. I don't what, know. We might. Well, we might. Well, we'll sure try. But <laughs> the reality is the bulk of the serving the Lord, the stuff we do with the Lord's name on it is talking about living your life for Jesus and, and living it an outward Christian faith. And that's going to be a blessing and service to everybody. You come. To, it should be anyway, to everybody you come into contact with. Sometimes we, we substitute the word go for ministry, generosity, bearing fruit, evangelism. And so it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's just having this outward focus mentality. So, so we'd say like this, what's my part in this all church discipleship path that we want everybody on from our little, little kids through our high school, junior high, high school students, all the way up to adults. We want everybody to understand I'm, I'm supposed to gather, I'm supposed to grow and I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to be in worship, you know, grow in a life group and serve the Lord. And probably one of the things I'm really excited about in 2024, which, and I, and I kind of introduce this to the church. I really do believe that God is calling our church um, and every single person in it to have this mentality. I'm going to be a one-on-one disciple maker mm-hmm. that, that I have the ability to share my faith with somebody else. This is a really intimidating thing for a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, and quite frankly, for me too, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people think, well, you're a minister, Joe, and you probably talk about your faith with everybody you meet. Not true. Um, I'm actually quite introverted a lot of times and, and he's shy and I'm, I am, I'll be honest. I know it might shock some of you. I'm a rather shy person. The, um, um, that's why I'm, God gave me a very extroverted wife. So she compensates <laughs> for that. extroverted, am I? <laughs> oh, yes, you are. <laughs> but, and I have no problem talking about my faith openly. And I, and I have a little bit of advantage because people would expect that the second they find out I'm a pastor. It's not awkward. 
but um, or they but, run away from you. This is true too. Um, <laughs> so a lot of time, and I hear this from a lot of folks, and when they're just being very candid and open, they'll say things like this: "I've." I've never shared my faith with anybody. Hmm. And if I'm just being honest, they would say things like, I don't think I've ever been responsible for ever leading anybody to Christ. Well, I want everybody to take a deep breath. You know, it's like you, you may have had more impact than what you realize, because I think a lot of the impact we have is just living for Jesus and living a pure, honest, holy life. Mm-hmm. The Lord used those things. But that level of actually sitting down and sharing my faith with somebody, I feel like the Lord's put on my heart this year to help equip our church family to be in a position to do that and also resource our church family to with some tools to help them do that. Mm-hmm. And so there's some things that I've been working on and praying through and consulting about a best way as an all-church level to help, help equip our people to be better one-on-one um, disciple makers. And I just kind of have this, this vision where there's two things I want to do. I want to, uh, every single person that gets baptized this year, I want to, I want to eventually get them paired up with somebody else for a month or two to help them take those first steps as a new believer and kind of help disciple them into those first couple months of following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, I think sometimes we get in the same same things that happen with us at times where somebody gets baptized, like, man, that's awesome. Good luck. Now, I want to help guide them more. If they're not in a life group yet, I want to help them get in a life group. If they're, you know, I think those first couple of months are crucial. I want to do that. But I also want, I want to see about raising up an army of people in our church family who see it as, as their mission to be a one-on-one disciple maker. They've got friends that, that they, um, that they would know that maybe they are, or maybe they're baby Christians or not Christians at all or whatever. But we people that would say, Hey, let's get together. Let's get together every Saturday morning at Starbucks and for an hour and let's just talk and equip people to be able to do that. And you know, I'm, I'm really oversimplifying this, but there's a, a resource, there's resources that we can help our people. But I just got this vision by the end of 2024 that we've got, what if we had a hundred people in our church family? that really took that on and was like, and they got into a disciple making relationship with somebody else mm-hmm. for a couple months, mm-hmm. what kind of impact that could be. Right. And anyway, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where God takes that and what he does with it. But that's, that's really in 2024, what I think would be the hallmark of our church. What really, what I think it's going to be our greatest year ever is if we, if we had a church that understood what our mission is and what my place in that is where I'm here to gather grow and go. And, and some of that just made be an invited church and invite him to go. And, and, and what I shared with our church this weekend is that if you're a Christian and you you're coming to church, you've been gathering, you may have been doing that for years, but there is somebody that is gathering with us and a lot more than you think that don't know if they believe this, they're observing it, they're investigating it. This might be the very beginning point of their walk with Jesus. This is where they're connecting with God for the very first time. And so they begin this journey that starts with us in our gathering and and move forward. Now there's there's lots of steps in between in between gather and grow. There's steps that we're putting in place to help people make that journey. And between grow and go, there's steps that are in place to help people. So think of it like a progression. When a gather, grow, go, and then ultimately then as you're maturing in your faith in Jesus, you're doing all three at the same time. I'm gathering, I'm growing, and I'm going. 
And it's just this never ending process until the Lord returns. So anyway. So you have lots to preach on this year. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited about 2024. I'm excited about getting back into Courageous. Um, that will still be a few weeks out. But uh, we did the Courageous Part 1, which was the book of Joshua. We did it all last fall. There's a couple of sermons here I'm preaching in January of things I want to share with with the folks on my heart. And then we're going to go get, get into Courageous Part 2, um, which will be the book of Judges. And uh, man, Judges can be dark. That's That can be a very dark book. But there's a lot of people looking forward to that. Oh, man. Some of the great, great names. I'm mean, like, mm-hmm. like growing up in church, every kid's heard of Samson. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, and I'm just tell you this. The, Sam- the Samson I learned about in Sunday school, <laughs> there's a lot more to that dude's story. And then we'll learn about Gideon and others. There's just... So are some of these sermons going to be PG-13? But there's parts of Samson's story that are... Maybe rated R. Well, if you really dig into it, yes. Do we need to put a warning? No, out? no, no, no. <laughs> about bringing their kids. They need to make sure they check their kids into New Life Kids that weekend. Let, let me just say this. I think. You said some things even at Christmas. I was like, Oof. yeah, there was one Ooh. statement that I said. I, don't I was. Know if he should have said that. Did he remember that the kids were in? Yeah, here? I miss. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't regret saying it. You should see me when he does stuff <laughs> like that. I'm like, oh. So my God. what you're referring to is at our Christmas <laughs> at our Christmas candlelight service. Um, oh, I remember. I told the story of Lee Strobel, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that wrote uh, The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith. And I chose to, to make the candlelight service kind of a gospel presentation, but I wanted to it speak. It was good, and people really did enjoy it. I wanted to speak to people who had maybe just show up on Christmas and Easter. So I thought, you know, Lee Strobel's story is so relatable. So I kind of retold his story. And there's, and when his wife, so his, if you haven't heard of Lee Strobel's story, please look it up and, and, yeah. and, and read his books. So, yeah. So Lee was an atheist whose wife became a Christian. Yeah. And, and he, uh, and, and I quoted him because he said, lovely. He said that uh, when his wife announced that she was going to be a Christian, he thought it was the worst thing that was ever going to happen to his, him. And, and he said it felt like a bait and switch. So he married the carefree, happy-go-lucky wife, and he was going to get, and this is what I said, and then not, not forgetting that all the kids were in there, but maybe not but forgetting, maybe not taking into full account. I said, Lee said, quoting Lee, that he felt like his wife, Leslie, was going to turn into some sexually repressed prude. And then people laughed at that. And I was like, there are toddlers, <laughs> first graders, third graders. And you're like, what is a sexual <laughs> Mommy, mommy, what does he mean by that? That can't be worse than all the circumcision sermons we've been preaching. Well, but circumcision is something that actually... I mean, what is we it? didn't Here's invite it? the family to the <laughs> circumcision How, sermon. I mean, that's like... It, every boy, it happens to. <laughs> Not, every Not every boy. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, it's it's part of... <laughs> Do you want me to go hey, there right K- now? Kirsten, Kirsten, welcome to my world. I have to judge. I have to weigh every word that I say. No, I would say, I say. Hey, this, this sermon is not for for kids under junior high. That's why we invite our sixth graders and down to New Life Kids, because that message, 
at the, in the lower level at Reardon and at New Life Kids at Highlands is definitely a message geared for them. And this message is geared for seventh grade and up. There has been a handful of times and over the years. And a lot of churches will put a rating on the message that day. Well, because the Bible, if they did a movie, it would not well, be there's PG. Well, some, there's some rated R parts it for sure. It it would be PG thirteen R, maybe even more than that, because there are some a lot of like sexual topics, and well, you say it like that, like it's inappropriate. It's not inappropriate. Some it's just, of it is inappropriate. Uh, well, I mean, there are some themes that are Learning for from there are some themes for that are meant for a more mature audience. <laughs> Did you know? I, I I I don't I don't know why I know this, but I think it's true. I believe that. Um, Back in the day, Jewish men could not read the Song of Solomon. Oh come on! Until they were forty. Why is that, Joe? It was too se- it was too too sexual. Have you preached on it before? Yep, I have. You know the funniest things about the Song of Solomon? What does it's, pomegranates it's, mean? Oh, you know, in the you, Bible. Oh, you know what those mean. <laughs> I totally should preach a sermon with Joe sometime. I'd be like, okay, so what he's trying to say is, no, he's so talking about the Song of the Song of Solomon is a very poetically well written book. It's awesome, but there's a lot of visual imagery, and you know when you talk about you know, cultivating gardens and all of that. You know, it's like there's, there's some associations. What's so, that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Let's break so, it down. <laughs> okay, next this podcast, podcast is going to be a two-parter. So, <laughs> next podcast, we're going to break it down. But no, my, I, I don't know why I know this, but I think I know it. But I think Jewish men, were there was an age limit on when they could actually read the Song of Solomon. I mean, we're going way back, way right. back when. And um, and that's because it was considered t- too sexual for single men of a certain age to read it. But now we're going to have to rate I, our, Hey, so when I preach... put a rating on our podcast. When I, when I preach through Song of Solomon, there's a description there of like the perfect woman. And there's all these analogies. And, and, this, and so somebody actually took all those analogies and they took it literally and they drew this picture of a woman that represented all... It's the ugliest woman. <laughs> if you Google it, if you, you know, I could probably find it for the show, for the show notes, but it was, uh, it was awesome. the Song of Solomon woman and this whole description of her beauty. It was like, like I'm trying to remember, it's like two doe running down the hill or a waterfall. This Anyway, this guy, this artist put it all together That's and you're like, awesome. oh, I need to see this because I'll think find I've it. Seen it. I, I've got it in my file somewhere off. It's online. All I'm saying is that maybe we should put a rating on some of the messages so that we make sure that the audience that you're speaking to matches. Yeah, I don't think the that, topic. Yeah, level. I hear why you say that, but I don't think it's going to be a problem in the book of Judges. I actually I actually do feel like I'm pretty good at making it age relatable. So. We'll make it work. But Samson's story gets pretty dark. And um, I mean, and, it, and it's violent. I mean, it's fine. You're talking about a guy well, that's killing Philistines yeah. with a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, a thousand of them at a time. Are you going to bring a jawbone of a donkey in so that we I can should. have a visual? Oh, I should. Where do you get one of those? They got those at Walmart? <laughs> call them we'll get on the app and text message the customer service we're looking for a jawbone of a donkey Could we get one of those? and what aisle is it in and you know what somebody at walmart some kid working there will get their little pda or their little their phone out They'll be like let me search for that let me look jawbone the donkey is that in the pharmacy um anyway okay well hey it's going to be a great year, and I am so I'm, I'm I'm coming into 2024 at New Life with so much optimism 
and gratefulness in my heart for what's going on here right now. So, hey, buckle up. It's going to be a great year of Jubilee. Okay, I want to come back and make sure that you all know we talked about Christmas and how you've struggled with buying Christmas gifts over the years. And I wanted to give a good report in this podcast that Joe successfully got me a wonderful gift, one that I asked for. And I was very impressed with his skills this year. So good job, babe. You know, this recording will last forever. (laughs) I know what's funny is that I, I think he might've forgotten that he ordered me something and he's just used to every box being addressed to me. And so it came and I believe he wasn't feeling well. And I can't remember, maybe it was just your knee or something was bothering you, but it sat by the front door for several days and he walked past it walked past it. I didn't even know it was there. I didn't even touch it because I was like, well, it's addressed to him. I think I know what it is. But so that's the problem with ordering stuff online that gets delivered. It has like the shipping label on it and you check it and it's like, oh, I know where that's from. That must be for me. That is. But I was trying to be respectful. I was like, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to move it. And I finally had to go, hey, um, there is a box by the door for you. Oh, what, what came? <laughs> so he completely forgot that he. I didn't forget that I ordered it. I just, the reality is I ordered it a little bit, a ways before Christmas. But when I ordered it, it said expected delivery date, December 27th. And I'm like, oh, and, but but I'm I thought, well, maybe with it. but maybe it will come early. And it did. It came before Christmas. So I was not expecting it. And what I was going to do was basically give Kirsten a card with a picture of what I ordered her inside the card. It said, sorry, it should be here any day. But then when she said it's there and I found out, realized that my gift came, I was actually very quite, I was quite excited. But I was. And the, it was there for several days. They it really. Was, it was there really early. Yeah. They nailed yeah. it. But you did good. He, he shopped ahead of time, got me something I wanted. So I'll maybe I'll post a picture or something on our show notes so that you guys can see. So good job, babe. Oh, if only that one win would carry me for the rest of the year. That's not how it but, works. You know, I know in marriage, one win is for one win for one day. It doesn't carry over. There's no carryover points. Well, I will say this. Here, here's what's funny. Um, if your kids are watching or listening, make sure you pause it right now and listen to this later. (laughs) Little kids, little kids. Um, so I'll give you a second. So pause it. But for our stockings this year, um, Joe got me a stocking and we do stockings for everyone. So the fact that there was something in my stocking was impressive. So that's good. And then I put all, he gave me, basically it was just all candy. And so I dumped (laughs) it in a pan, like a little Christmas dish and I didn't get one piece. All the boys ate it all. (laughs) It did disappear very quickly. Thanks for the candy, but I want to let you know I didn't get one piece of it. Like, (laughs) not one. So, um, anyway, that's why I had you pause it if you had little kids, because some parents... Because you didn't want to blow it by saying where the stockings really come from. Well, Sienna. What? (laughs) What? 
Okay, anyway. Kirsten. Yeah, thank you for job, saying that. Yes, thank I you for saying to... that because um, I felt like I, I really beat was me hard up. on you <laughs> last time and you deserved it. But I wanted to come back and make sure that. <laughs> Listen, every <laughs> every husband has made a Walgreens run on on Christmas that morning. Not true. Hey, I told I told that, that to the church. True. Oh, so I know. During the Christmas ser- a series, everybody room? was like mad at you. No, no. <laughs> I saw a lot of wives elbowing their husbands. I was telling that story. Okay. If you <laughs> are a man and you're listening to this and you've been to Walgreens on Christmas morning, we need to hear from you because <laughs> I do not think this is true. Oh, it's true. You have only been to Walgreens with 50 other men. Well, 50 other men in the entire city. Well, there's lots of Walgreens. Well, I don't think there's that many that you think. I think I would, I'm going to say this. I would bet you that there are in the whole new life family across the both campuses. Okay. I'm going to say there's at least 20. Three. No, 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 no. 20. There's 20 men in our church who have made a Christmas morning Walgreens run before. We should do a poll. We should do. I don't know how to do that, but I'm telling you, I bet you, and that might be conservative. I bet you there's been at least 20, 20 guys that come to church here regularly that have made a Walgreens run on Christmas morning. Male or female. Let's just pull it all together. (laughs) If you're male or female and you have been to Walgreens on a Christmas morning for a gift, not for medicine, not for diapers, not for formula, not for necessities for a gift. For your spouse. We need to hear from you. We want to hear this story. We want to know. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood. Not a car show.